section ten of the schwan by honore de balzac translated by catherine wormley this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two part seven the events of the day had excited such violent emotions in mademoiselle de venuille's whole being that she lay back almost fainting in the carriage after giving the order to drive to fougeres francine was as silent as her mistress the postilion dreading some new disaster made all the haste he could to reach the high road and was soon on the summit of la pelerine through the thick white mists of morning marie de venuille crossed the broad and beautiful valley of couasnon where this history began scarcely able to distinguish the slaty rock on which the town of fougeres stands from the slopes of la pelerine they were still eight miles from it shivering with cold herself mademoiselle de venuille recollected the poor soldier behind the carriage and insisted against his remonstrances in taking him into the carriage beside francine the sight of frugere drew her for a time out of her reflections the sentinels stationed at the porte saint leonard refused to allow ingress to the strangers and she was therefore obliged to exhibit the ministerial order this at once gave her safety in entering the town but the postilion could find no other place for her to stop at than the post inn madame said the blue whose life she had saved if you ever want a sabre to deal some special blow my life is yours i am good for that my name is jean valcon otherwise called beaupied sergeant of the first company of hulot's veterans seventy-second half brigade nicknamed les maillanquets excuse my vanity i can only offer you the soul of a sergeant but that's at your service he turned on his heel and walked off whistling the lower one goes in social life said marie bitterly the more we find generous feelings without display a marquis returns death for life and a poor sergeant but enough of that when the weary woman was at last in a warm bed her faithful francine waited in vain for the affectionate good-night to which she was accustomed but her mistress seeing her still standing and evidently uneasy made her a sign of distress this is called a day francine she said but i have aged ten years in it the next morning as soon as she had risen corentin came to see her and she admitted him francine she exclaimed my degradation is great indeed for the thought of that man is not disagreeable to me still when she saw him she felt once more for the hundredth time the instinctive repulsion which two years intercourse had increased rather than lessened well he said smiling i felt certain you were succeeding was i mistaken did you get hold of the wrong man corentin she replied with a dull look of pain never mention that affair to me unless i speak of it myself he walked up and down the room casting oblique glances at her endeavouring to guess the secret thoughts of the singular woman whose mere glance had the power of discomfiting at times the cleverest men i foresaw this check 
he replied after a moment's silence if you would be willing to establish your headquarters in this town i have already found a suitable place for you we are in the very centre of chouannerie will you stay here she answered with an affirmative sign which enabled corentin to make conjectures partly correct as to the events of the preceding evening i can hire a house for you a bit of national property still unsold they are behind the age in these parts no one has dared buy the old barrack because it belonged to an emigre who was thought to be harsh it is close to the church of st leonard and on my word of honour the view from it is delightful something can really be made of the old place will you try it yes at once she cried i want a few hours to have it cleaned and put in order for you so that you may like it what matter she said i could live in a cloister or a prison without caring however see that everything is in order before night so that i may sleep there in perfect solitude go leave me your presence is intolerable i wish to be alone with francine she is better for me than my own company perhaps adieu go go i say these words said volubly with a mingling of coquetry despotism and passion showed she had entirely recovered her self-possession sleep had no doubt classified the impressions of the preceding day and reflection had determined her on vengeance if a few reluctant signs appeared on her face they only proved the ease with which certain women can bury the better feelings of their souls and the cruel dissimulation which enables them to smile sweetly while planning the destruction of a victim she sat alone after corentin had left her thinking how she could get the marquis still living into her toils for the first time in her life this woman had lived according to her inmost desires but of that life nothing remained but one craving that of vengeance vengeance complete and infinite it was her one thought her sole desire francine's words and attentions were unnoticed marie seemed to be sleeping with her eyes open and the long day passed without an action or even a gesture that bore testimony to her thoughts she lay on a couch which she had made of chairs and pillows it was late in the evening when a few words escaped her as if involuntarily my child she said to francine i understood yesterday what it was to live for love to-day i know what it means to die for vengeance yes i will give my life to seek him wherever he may be to meet him seduce him make him mine if i do not have that man who dared to despise me at my feet humble and submissive if i do not make him my lackey and my slave i shall indeed be base i shall not be a woman i shall not be myself the house which corentin hired for mademoiselle de venille offered many gratifications to the innate love of luxury and elegance that was part of this girl the capricious creature took possession of it with regal composure as of a thing which already belonged to her she appropriated the furniture and arranged it with intuitive sympathy as though she had known it all her life this is a vulgar detail but one that is not unimportant in sketching the character of so exceptional 
a person she seemed to have been already familiarized in a dream with the house in which she now lived on her hatred as she might have lived on her love at least she said to herself i did not rouse insulting pity in him i do not owe him my life oh my first my last my only love what an end to it she sprang upon francine who was terrified do you love a man oh yes yes i remember you do i am glad i have a woman here who can understand me ah my poor francette man is a miserable being ha he said he loved me and his love could not bear the slightest test but i if all men had accused him i would have defended him if the universe rejected him my soul should have been his refuge in the old days life was filled with human beings coming and going for whom i did not care it was sad and dull but not horrible but now now what is life without him he will live on and i not near him i shall not see him speak to him feel him hold him press him ah i would rather strangle him myself in his sleep francine horrified looked at her in silence kill the man you love she said in a soft voice yes yes if he ceases to love me but after those ruthless words she hid her face in her hands and sat down silently the next day a man presented himself without being announced his face was stern it was hulot followed by corentin mademoiselle de venouille looked at the commandant and trembled you have come she said to ask me to account for your friends they are dead i know it he replied and not in the service of the republic for me and by me she said you preach the nation to me can the nation bring to life those who die for her can she even avenge them but i i will avenge them she cried the awful images of the catastrophe filled her imagination suddenly and the graceful creature who held modesty to be the first of women's wiles forgot herself in a moment of madness and marched towards the amazed commandant brusquely in exchange for a few murdered soldiers she said i will bring to the block a head that is worth a million heads of other men it is not a woman's business to wage war but you old as you are shall learn good stratagems from me i'll deliver a whole family to your bayonets him his ancestors his past his future i will be as false and treacherous to him as i was good and true yes commandant i will bring that little noble to my arms and he shall leave them to go to death i have no other rival the wretch himself pronounced his doom a day without a morrow your republic and i shall be avenged the republic she cried in a voice the strange intonations of which horrified hulot is he to die for bearing arms against the nation shall i suffer france to rob me of my vengeance ah what a little thing is life death can expiate but one crime he is but one head to fall but i will make him know in one night that he loses more than life commandant you who will kill him and she sighed see that nothing betrays my betrayal he must die convinced of my fidelity i ask that of you let him know only me me and my caresses she stopped but through the crimson of her cheeks hulot and corentin saw that rage and delirium had not entirely smothered all sense of shame marie shuddered violently as she said the words she seemed to listen to them as though she doubted whether she herself had said them 
and she made the involuntary movement of a woman whose veil is falling from her but you had him in your power said corentin very likely why did you stop me when i had him asked hulot i did not know what he would prove to be she cried then suddenly the excited woman who was walking up and down with hurried steps and casting savage glances at the spectators of the storm calmed down i do not know myself she said in a man's tone why talk i must go and find him go and find him said hulot my dear woman take care we are not yet masters of this part of the country if you venture outside of the town you will be taken or killed before you've gone a hundred yards there's never any danger for those who seek vengeance she said driving from her presence with a disdainful gesture the two men whom she was ashamed to face what a woman cried hulot as he walked away with corentin a queer idea of those police fellows in paris to send her here but she'll never deliver him up to us he added shaking his head oh yes she will replied corentin don't you see she loves him said hulot that's just why she will besides looking at the amazed commandant i'm here to see that she doesn't commit any folly in my opinion comrade there is no love in the world worth the three hundred thousand francs she'll make out of this when the police diplomatists left the soldier the latter stood looking after him and as the sound of the man's steps died away he gave a sigh muttering to himself it may be a good thing after all to be such a dullard as i am god's thunder if i meet the gar i'll fight him hand to hand or my name's not hulot for if that fox brings him before me in any of their new-fangled councils of war my honour will be as soiled as the shirt of a young trooper who is under fire for the first time the massacre at la Vivetière and the desire to avenge his friends had led hulot to accept a reinstatement in his late command in fact the new minister berthier had refused to accept his resignation under existing circumstances to the official dispatch was added a private letter in which without explaining the mission of mademoiselle de venouille the minister informed him that the affair was entirely outside of the war and not to interfere with any military operations the duty of the commanders he said was limited to giving assistance to that honourable citoyen if occasion arose learning from his scouts that the movements of the chouan all tended towards a concentration of their forces in the neighbourhood of fougeres hulot secretly with forced marches brought two battalions of his brigade into the town the nation's danger his hatred of aristocracy whose partisans threatened to convulse so large a section of country his desire to avenge his murdered friends revived in the old veteran the fire of his youth so this is the life i craved exclaimed mademoiselle de venouille when she was left alone with francine no matter how fast the hours go they are to me like centuries of thought suddenly she took francine's hand and her voice soft as that of the first red-throat singing after a storm slowly gave sound to the following words try as i will to forget them i see those two delicious lips that chin just raised those eyes of fire i hear the hue of the postillion i dream i dream why then such hatred on awakening she drew a long sigh rose and then for the first time looked out upon the country delivered over to civil war by the cruel leader whom she was plotting to destroy attracted by the scene 
she wandered out to breathe at her ease beneath the sky and though her steps conducted her at a venture she was surely led to the promenade of the town by one of those occult impulses of the soul which lead us to follow hope irrationally thoughts conceived under the dominion of that spell are often realized but we then attribute their prevision to a power we call presentiment an inexplicable power but a real one which our passions find accommodating like a flatterer who among his many lies does sometimes tell the truth End of section ten